You're listening to episode 159 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. Imagine leaving your corporate job, starting a new business, and getting stuck at making $30,000 a year. And then, boom, you start doing the quote-unquote inner work that we're always talking about on this show, and you go from making $30,000 a year to over $300,000 a year. This isn't Imagination Station for this week's guest. This is part of her real life story. Amanda Jane Daly is the leading business mentor for health coaches worldwide. Renowned for her marketing expertise with over 19 years experience, Amanda has earned recognition by the world's top advertising awards and has built her own seven-figure coaching business in under five years. Amanda is a mentor to other health coaches and encourages them to build a heart-fueled business and freedom-based lifestyle. Before I introduce you to Amanda, I wanted to drop a reminder that when you head over to spiritually-seeking.com, you can score 20% off of numerology reports, card readings, and even life guidance sessions by using the code MINDBIZLIFE at checkout. And while you're listening today, I would love for you to screenshot that you're listening, share it on social media, tag me in it. I am everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at MindBizLife. All right, are you ready to meet Amanda? You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up, let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hi, Amanda, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Hey, Lauren, I'm so excited to be here. Well, you are up nice and early. The time that we're talking, we just were saying it's 8.30 in Australia and it's 6.30 p.m. here in Florida. So we're on like two different sides of the world right now, but (laughs) that's what makes it even cooler that we can have this conversation and, and just connect. But I love that you're a business mentor for health coaches and clearly you're crushing it. But I would just love to know, How did you wind up in this career? Will you share a little bit of your journey with us? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's funny to look back actually because I've been doing this for a while now. But before that, I spent my early years, if you like, in online advertising marketing. Back in the days where really online was kind of like the the poor cousin of the advertising world. Uh, That might not be the right metaphor, but you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) You know, we were always like the secret um, desks in the corner of digital. What's this new digital thing and online? And so I started my career actually in the startup team of eBay in the UK. And that gave me, you know, the the skills, I guess, to then go into the advertising world back in New Zealand and then Australia in digital online marketing, which, I mean, I loved all of that side of it. I loved during my, you know, through my 20s into my early 30s. But what started happening for me, Lauren, is it was a really hard-paced industry. Mm. I was burning out, you know, not to necessarily blame the industry, but me personally, like my health wasn't really coping with it. And what I was doing was just really like running off from advertising to go to a healer or to go to a naturopath or to go to a kinesiologist or yoga classes because I was just desperately trying to fix myself. I never would have thought anything but to stay in a corporate career. That's all I really knew. And I was just so desperate. I thought something was broken you know, I needed to be fixed. So I was kind of, you know, really quite ashamed of that, but trying to fix myself, heal myself. 
And I learned so much, as you can imagine, like all these, you know, went from yoga teaching, I mean, yoga into yoga teaching. (laughs) And then it was like getting energy healing into, well, I'm going to learn how to be an energy healer. And I was so passionate for it. And they all really came together for me when I found a health coaching certification. I was like, wow, it's almost like I've been training for this for years in the, you know, in the evenings of my day job. And one thing led to another because I was feeling burnt out, you know, and I just couldn't kind of handle it there any longer. So I took the leap. And while I was still studying to be a health coach, I was like, I can do this. <laughs> really had no idea what I was, you know, doing. And to be honest, Lauren, like that next nine months was the hardest because I didn't know what to do. Even with that career behind me, I had no idea how to run a business no idea how to work for myself. I saw friends, you know, with a pretty website and they were working from home and it didn't work that way for me. So it was really a matter of rebuilding, relearning everything I could find online, every mentor I could kind of find at that time until I got my health coaching business up and running. And once it was, you know, of course, it looked like the overnight success and everyone wanted to know how to do it. So I kind of, I feel like I fended off people for a few years who were like, can't you teach us business? <laughs> no, I'm a health coach. Like all I wanted to do was help women, you know, through the, the journey that I had been on with their health and really a lot of the inner work was what I cared about. And so I wouldn't budge, but, you know, eventually one thing led to another. I was like, oh, I see. I've got this business background that can actually have a much bigger impact if I support all these other health coaches to do this work in the world. And so I've been doing that specifically, business mentoring for health coaches for about seven years now. And the health coaching business was about two, three before that. Wow, what a journey. And you know, I feel like this this story can be echoed through so many of the burnout because man, it happens. And then you do, you find yourself trying to find other things that make you feel better instead of just fixing that root cause of like, it's my career, it's my job. It's, I'm not happy in this point. So what are some ways that you think that business owners can prevent getting to the burnout stage? Well, yeah, you know, it's interesting when you say that because leaving my corporate job actually was not the answer to burnout. Oh, really? The first nine months, as I said, were very hard. And it was actually the end of my first year in business that I was diagnosed with stage three adrenal fatigue Mm. that they told me I wouldn't come back from. And this is where I think it gets interesting because we bring our own habits and beliefs and behaviors with us into entrepreneurship. So that first year, I practically had no clients, or at least until about six, nine months in, but I was working, Lauren, like I was on my laptop, you know, I had to get the website right, I had to get the logo, I had to do the guest mentoring things. I remember not going to family events because I had to get this guest mentor post out. And that busyness that we are brought up to believe is the way to success, you know, the way to to make it happen, all of that comes with us. And for me, that was very confronting, but also very awakening to realize. And it's actually why I made peace with, oh, I can be a business mentor because I was blaming advertising for the burnout. Mm. It wasn't advertising. The culture didn't help, but it really was my own habits within that. Ooh, I think you just gave me a little aha moment for my personal self because I was in social media marketing before doing this and I got burnt out. And for a long, and I think I'm still, I have still blamed 
social media marketing for my, for my burnout. And you've just made me be like, okay, I need to take a step back from that and address my mindset of how I'm perceiving that situation and how I was showing up and what habits I was leaning into. So, whoa, I already had just like a mind blown moment. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I know you do a lot with, you're talking about masculine and feminine energy. So let's talk about that for a second. First of all, how do these energies show up within business? Yeah, the way I love masculine feminine energy and I, you know, I teach it a lot. I, part of my story when I became, uh, you know, a health coach is I was living in Bondi Beach in Sydney, Australia, and there was quite an entrepreneur scene there. But what I noticed there is everybody was talking like about, well, this is how I manifested something. And this is how I aligned to the moon cycles. And the conversations in that business circle were very different to say a lot of my online friends that I was making around the world that might've been Facebook ads and funnels and, you know, there's these <laughs> different cultures going on and of course I as I shared was trying to heal my burnout so this whole idea of feminine energy was very attractive for me to understand when it comes to business I see you've got to have both and I actually just kind of came up with this new framework myself only a few days ago <laughs> so you're one of the first people to hear it but I've started seeing it like a bit like a, a layered like a sandwich almost mm. and to show how we need both. So to start with, for example, you want to set a goal. Let's say like I teach health coaches how to make 5K a month or more. So they want to make 5K a month. The first step, it needs to be masculine. It needs to be what is the strategy? What is the plan? What is the framework? What is the goal? Like that is very masculine, tangible, measurable, you know, learning. Right. And people do this and they buy the courses and, uh, you know, they learn things and then they wonder why it's not happening. To me, this is where the feminine comes in next in the middle layer. That's where you become the woman or become the man that is aligned with those goals and with that structure. Mm. So those are the pieces where you're bringing in your be belief work. You know, maybe like you just had an experience there of, oh, I thought something was one way. Maybe it was another. Right. Your beliefs might need to shift. Your physical energy might need to shift. Your emotional energy, you know, might need to shift. You might be doing meditation or might be, I mean, there's just so many things that fall in the kind of feminine energetic realm. And that to me, it's kind of like, I don't know if I got my metaphor right yet, you know, the, the <laughs> bit in the stomach, but it's kind of like the flowy bit between um, these masculine structures. But then once you're doing that, for you to get the results in your business, you need to take the next masculine plan, which is you've got to execute what you learn. You've got to actually take action. That takes discipline. That takes commitment. And it does take work. Yeah. Do you find that some people are either like within their business, like they're doing too much masculine or too much feminine, and that's why they're not seeing like the desired results? Absolutely. I think that most women have been brought up seeing, I mean, probably men too, I just mentor women mostly, um, have been brought up with a masculine approach to work, which is you work hard and the more you work, the more you reap, you know, and I definitely have hit things for myself and with clients where we, sometimes we struggle, honestly, because it's too easy. 
Mm. And we actually think, well, we can't be doing something that I just love and that it's just like easy. I'm supposed to burn out Mm. to be worthy of making good money or success. So most people are too in the masculine as far as their definition. But that said, especially working uh, in the health coaching industry, holistic uh, areas that I do, a lot of people have kind of swung so far from that that they just want the pretty, you know, business where I'll just meditate my way to success and I'll just work my own hours, you know, the freedom lifestyle, all of that. And we can get very out of reality that business is still business. Business does require action. So it doesn't have to be hard burnout action. It can often be inspired and aligned action. But I don't think that anyone just sitting under a tree meditating is going to have a successful business. Right. I like that you said inspired and aligned because that in itself is like business gold to me, right? Like like those are like the two things that just like make a great business. But you also touched on those limiting beliefs around money of like, oh, it has to, I have to work hard to make money. It shouldn't be this easy. What other types of limiting beliefs do you see that come up a lot with your clients around money? Oh my gosh, there are so many with money. And, you know, part of my story that I didn't share with you earlier is there was one year in my business where I went from making 35,000 a year to 330,000 in one wow. year. Wow. Which is a big leap, right? Right? I mean, <laughs> And that year, I was treating the money mindset like, like my life depended on it. I was really studying the money books. I was really doing the work on my own beliefs. And, you know, often when you are choosing new beliefs, old stuff comes up and, you know, there can be healing that needs to happen. So there are so many money beliefs, but to give you some examples, you know, we all grew up in families where we picked up stories about money. So it might be, um, oh, the rich kids or the lucky bitch or the, you know, like, oh, and we can actually have quite negative connotations on people with money that can come from protecting you know, like our family doesn't have that or, oh, there's just, I don't know, a million versions of that. But we are taught that we are a certain identity. And even though we have desires in us, maybe to have more experience, more abundance, etc. tribally, like there's an energetic part of us that actually wants to stay the same, mm. wants to stay the same as our family, wants to stay the same as our friends, um, all of these kind of things. So we say we want something, but we kind of don't. Or we're worried, what if someone finds out that I made that money and I didn't work hard for it? Or maybe I didn't deserve it. So we can have these great business goals and dreams and there can be things, oh, like this story just popped into my mind. Uh, You know, I had a client um, and she was one of my only clients in the first few rounds that didn't make money or didn't make as much as she wanted. And I had worked with her for six months. I never saw this. And we were having a finale call, just a one-on-one call together. And it came shooting out of her. Like she didn't even know it was coming. And she said, well, if I was to make money, that would mean letting my husband off the hook for leaving his job. And I will never do that. And it's that kind of thing. She was blocking it then. Like didn't even want to make that money because then she sees it as, oh, he's off the hook. Totally. And she didn't even see that, you know, I mean, at some level she knew it obviously. And these are the kind of things, money energy can be the, oh, strongest grip, you know, and from a health perspective, 
I believe so strongly in looking at this, you know, it, it can be a tender area, healing it. It's part of our second chakra, which is our creativity, our sexuality, our manifesting, our abundance. It is part of us to be healthy in this area, but people just oh, have so much energy on it and often, more often than not, negative energy. How do you think that they can start to heal this negative energy around money? Like what are some good action steps to start clearing it? Yeah. In my masterminds, I teach something called the golden hour, which has a three-part formula to it. And even though I say hour, really, I mean, I say it could be six minutes. You know, it's a three-part formula. So the first part, you heard me talk about the money mindset books. I'm a big believer in listening to uh, two things that expand my mind. So I'll listen to the book on my audio or read them and underline them. When I'm reading those books, honestly, I'm looking for things that trigger me or that I don't agree with. Ah, Those areas like for exploration, right? Mm. There is a um, a line in Wallace D. Wattles. Uh, I think, uh, why did the name of the book just drop out of my head? As I said, anyway, uh, Science of Getting Rich, sorry. Uh, in one of the first chapters, he talks about we go to school and we get taught when you turn on that light switch over there, that sets off the electricity and that's what sets the lights. And we don't ever think to study that any further or question it. We just trust what we're told. Right. And he sets the challenge. What if everything that I talk about in this book about money that you trusted, whereas most people will want to spend their whole life like trying to prove it wrong. Mm. And I really hear that in him. So when he says, you know, money flows and our thoughts are affecting this and everything, it's like, at first you're like, this is rubbish. Yeah. (laughs) You start to play with it. It's like, what if, well, what if what I was taught about money wasn't right? What if this was true? And you just open for the exploration. To me, that's the first part to be doing each day. And when I say each day, you know, like I said, I stuck with it really solidly uh, for a year, a very, very focused uh, three to six months as well. Wow. Um, but you do it as much as you want, I guess. Yeah. So that's the first bit. The second bit is uh, I love a good meditation in there. And with the meditation though, to me, that's about letting go of all your pre- uh, preconceived ideas. So just coming to a place of, First of all, like oneness, you know, just like letting go as much as you can of your day. But then in that meditation, starting to feel what it would feel like to be abundant. Mm. This is the thing, Lauren, no one actually wants money. They want the feelings that they perceive that will come with that money. And we can actually be in those feelings right now. Now that's an interesting way. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. It's the feeling of money. It's all we want. Yeah. 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 Wow. I, that again, another aha moment. <laughs> it's all we want is the perception, whether it's that we're going to be freer or we're going to have more joy or more love or more acceptance, all we want. And we can choose that right here, right now. And I see it if we just spend a couple of minutes, I mean, 20 would be amazing, but you know, even just two minutes in that energy a day, you're training yourselves to feel that. And the more that you can be in that vibration, you do attract at a different level. And that can Mm -hmm. take some training. And then the third part of the framework to me is that we can create our future reality as well. So that can be through mantras. It can be through journaling. 
Uh, there's a number of techniques out there. You know, you can write a story, like a story movie script of, you know, it's six months from now, money's flowing beautifully into my business. I'm getting five clients every month consistently. And again, when you're writing these things, you're probably not going to believe them. <laughs> and it's part of weaving that, creating that into your reality over time. I really like that. And, and to just go ahead and write it as if you're already living it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And that's such a good exercise too, because then in that, in that moment, you get really clear about what you actually desire. Oh, totally. And this is another part of the money work, Lauren, your desire. We've been taught to shove our desires down. Mm. We've been taught that, you know, think of an example, like um, we're talking, you get taught, you know, money's for certain people or whatever. I've watched it. I've been very lucky over the last, oh, I don't know, five, seven years to travel a lot to the US, not this year, unfortunately. And I've done a lot of that in business class or first class. Uh, thankfully, mostly to my points, but that's all good. Right. <laughs> and why I share this is when you sit in the beautiful, you know, front of the plane seats, I watch the conversations of people as they, you know, when people in economy come through first class. Mm-hmm. And it is amazing how many people feel the need to say like um, degrading comments or, um, you know, I've seen little kids want to sit there and the parents say not for us. Or I've seen teenagers like make fun of the people with money. And like, it's actually really fascinating to watch like that triggering point for people. And I give that as an example of desire because as kids say, the kid has the desire to sit on that beautiful big chair and someone said, not for us. That's not for you. Uh, And we've just been trained to not trust our desire, not trust the things that are in us. And when we really get into this money work, Money doesn't come because you want money, but if you have a true desire for something and a true purpose, the money does come if you attach it to that desire. Wow. I love that. And I love just the the way that you just, that was a really good example with, with the plane too, because I never really consciously thought about what the conversation is of people in economy walking past the first class. I've never once thought of it. I think I've only flown, not even like an international trap for first class, but just like domestic. So I think like flying abroad may be probably more conversations and more people because you have like the the larger seating area. So wow. And obviously not everyone. Of course. Yeah. You know, I hear these things, but also that around for a second. See, when I hear something like that, I might not want to be judged as Uh, you know, whatever someone like that might say. So this is where we can subconsciously bring ourselves back to uh, when maybe we can afford things. You know, the biggest weapon that we use, I believe, um, often against ourselves is, oh, I can't afford it. Mm. You know, and we all use that as an excuse to not wanting to buy something or whatever when we do have the money. And we should be really honest with ourselves. Like, I do have the money and I don't choose to spend it on that. We get so entangled with how we use money is an energy. Yeah. Yeah. And it sometimes it's almost like a, a defense mechanism too, in two different ways. Like I don't have it, you know, like just like changing your thought process about it. But you also talked on when you're talking about your desires, you brought up confidence 
And I was thinking about as new entrepreneurs or a new coach, there is a lot of confidence that typically has to be built. So maybe someone's out there and they're, they want to become a new coach, or maybe they're a new coach already and they, they're having that imposter syndrome or they think, oh, there's too many coaches already, or they're just flat out scared. What would you say to them to encourage them to lean in? Yeah. Look, I see, you know, most people that I mentor with are very low in confidence when they start. And there's a number of things we can look at here. The first one I want to say, though, is that we need to allow ourselves to be a beginner. Mm. Confidence comes from, first of all, getting in the game. So not sitting on the sidelines too long, but from practicing. Yeah. So, you know, I was mentoring people in my mastermind last night and one lady was saying, well, you know, maybe I should have done something different because now I've coached 10 clients and maybe I wasn't clear on something. You know, it was like this, it didn't really make sense to me. It's like, hold on, you've coached 10 clients, yeah. <laughs> new clients in the last couple of months. You had none, none before that. And she was like, oh yeah. I was like, well, how's your confidence feeling? And see, she'd already moved on. She's like, oh no, no, I'm so confident. That's why now I'm, I'm wondering, should I have been more picky? <laughs> oh. like, no, no, like this is your beginner phase. And you don't need, she was talking about target market. She thought maybe she should have been more picky on her target market from day one. But the thing is, there is business structures, like we said before, that you need to learn. But most of it is going to be, you need to get in the game, be willing to be a beginner, be willing to get it wrong, be willing to not know what you're saying the first time. And with compassion, allow yourself that beginner phase. I feel like people want all or nothing. You know, they're like, I'm not confident, I'm not confident. And the expectation is that I can't step in the arena until I am confident. But the only way is through. So being willing to be a beginner is, um, to me, the first part of that. Yeah. A lot of willingness, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, there's braveness, isn't there? It takes courage. I don't think people talk about it enough that to have your own business takes courage. Mm. And, you know, you have to lean in. The whole imposter syndrome thing I get, and especially working with health coaches, you know, they can feel like it's a new industry. No one knows what it is. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a naturopath. And, you know, a lot of this is really, really owning and believing in what you are offering. Mm. I don't think you can ever sell something that you don't truly believe in. And like in our mastermind for health coaches, it's a lot of the work that we do on really getting clear. This is what health coaching is. This is what it's not. This is why we believe it is the right way, you know, to move forward. This is how it's not better or worse, but, you know, you've got to be able to sell what you believe in. So if you don't have that kind of confidence already in what you are promoting or what you're selling, I encourage you to do that exercise of of working it out. Like if you had to believe in this, you had to get up in a court, you know, and say, this is the best thing because what would your argument be? Mm. And kind of learning to back that uh, for yourself. Is that the same approach or a same advice you would give for someone who may, I know a lot of people aren't, don't really like showing up on social media or I even once came across a woman who just did not want to have a website. She just, it was almost like she was, she wanted to have a business, but she didn't want to be found. And does that kind of tie back into that like imposter syndrome or is that just like a fear of just not wanting to be seen? 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think imposter syndrome is different than what I call visibility. Yeah. Fear. And, you know, we go back to that little sandwich idea I had before. So, you know, you might learn a social media strategy or a strategy for getting clients. But then to get from step one to step three, which is the action and execution, you need to do that inner work first. You need to become the woman or man who does put themselves on social you know, these social formulas or whatever out there are not that hard. You know, it might be you need to do a Facebook Live and an Instagram story once a week. And we can and ourselves make such a song and dance about, oh, I don't think I've got my message right or I don't think I've got my target market right. We're really, we're actually terrified of being judged, of being seen. Yeah. And for some people that, that in a work that needs to happen can be more healing for some people, it's just like, all right, I see it. I'm going to be courageous, dive in the cold water. I'm just going to start doing it. Like I said before, I'm going to be willing to be a beginner. I'm going to do 30 days on social media and it's going to suck for 30 days. And I'm willing to be a beginner because on the other side, I'm going to be, you know, that much more confident. Right. Right. Imposter syndrome, interestingly, I think everybody has, and I don't actually know that it ever fully goes away. Oh, really? talking to a lot of people about this and and I even read books from like different genres different business industries it's definitely across all industries I know that for sure uh I was talking to someone recently who's just started a travel agent business and she feels like that you know so it's not just in the health and kind of wellness or mindset areas of course your confidence does grow but yeah I was talking to someone just last week who's 20 he would be 25 years into a career. And he's like, some days I just feel like a fraud. Like I just, you know, people must be looking at me like I don't know what I'm doing. So I think these feelings come up for people, you know, not all the time, but they can come and they can go. And for me, the key thing is to notice it's just a thought. It's not reality. Mm. It's just a thought when we can see that in ourselves. And also I think it helps to know, you know what, half the world's got that, if not everyone. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, so what, you know? So what? Does it really, is it true? Is one of my favorite questions. Probably not. And um, just kind of like not giving all our power away to a thought. Oh, yeah, because our thoughts aren't facts. No, no. Most of the time, they're just random, I don't know, some lizard brain concept that's there that like spits out into our minds. <laughs> yeah. And then like when you actually sit down or if you write it down, you're like, okay, that's, that's not really true. And I, so I like that you asked that question. Is this, is that true? Is this true? Yeah. yeah. My other favorite one is what are the facts? Ooh, yeah. That makes you think too, because then it, it does make you look at it from a different perception and almost like take the emotion out of it. Yeah, I'll give you, it's a bit of a side tangent, but I'll give you an example where I use this a lot when people tell me they don't have time. So I just don't have time to grow my business or I don't have time. I'm like, okay, well, a calendar is a fact. So let's look at your calendar. How many hours do you have? It's, it's black and white. Oh. You do have this many hours free or you don't. Okay, the fact is you only have four hours a week to grow your business. Well, then don't beat yourself up about that you got to grow a business that fits in four hours a week. Yeah. So what are you going to do in those four hours? Whereas we beat ourselves up like, oh, I don't have 40 hours. Well, if you don't, that's the fact. Don't waste 
time and energy, you know, like self-beating ourselves up. Other people, though, the facts are quite the opposite when you look at the facts, you know, using the calendar example. And they have plenty of time and it's how they're choosing to use it. So, right. You know, yeah if you're sitting there watching like six hours of netflix every day and you're like i don't have the time amanda's gonna call you out and say bs (laughs) totally totally (laughs) well amanda you have given us so many great tips today where can our audience go to connect with you further oh absolutely well i did set up a page on my website just for you so it's amanda j daily dot com forward slash master your mind so i just put a little freebie there and a link to my facebook group if you do want to go straight to the facebook group it is healthy wealthy society on uh, facebook my favorite place to hang out but i am also amanda jane daily on instagram if you want to come play over there Wonderful. I will be sure to link that in this week's episode notes. Amanda, you are a ray of light. I love the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. It was wonderful, Lauren. Have a good day. I could have talked to Amanda all day. She has the best vibes and is full of great advice. I've linked Amanda's website and social channels on this week's episode notes found on mindtobizlife.com. Be sure to share this episode with a friend and leave the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you tune in and turn it up. I'll see you back here on Friday for another episode of Fuel Your Life Friday, but until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.